So uh, today we are in, and uh, it will be shorter, we'll finish on time, we are in part two of our Bride of Christ series on what the church is really about. And it's amazing seeing, this is a little taster of what it's about. People across the globe reaching out to part of us and going out, things being shared about us being community. Uh, last night, for those of you who were at Stadium Worship, what a privilege to be there with um, thousands and thousands of people of different colors, of different wealth backgrounds, but there for one reason and one alone to worship Jesus. And so what a privilege to be part of that and what God's doing in this nation. So today we're talking about the mission of the church, and this is going to be a two-part series, maybe even more if we can't get to it in those two. But mission, I'll get us into some verses in a short bit. Mission comes from the Latin word which means to send. So when we're talking about the mission of the church, we're talking about being sent, what, is it, what does it look like? And the word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia, and that actually means an assembly or called out ones. So when we talk about church, we're not so much talking about building, we meet in buildings, but we're actually talking about the people and the collective people that make up this building. That's us, that's you and me. And when we talk about church, we're talking about both the local meeting together, of people like this on a weekly basis, but we're also talking about the global body, the global church, the global body of believers. And so before we get onto the church's mission, I just wanted to look at some powerful biblical passages that outline the importance of church. Because Ian shared a bit of it last week, but it's really easy for us to go, as he shared, well, is it really worth fighting for? Is this something I should give my life for, she shared, is this something that I should, it should be a, bri a priority in my life, or something that, well, if a fair's not on, and there isn't sport on, and I couldn't get away for the weekend, I think I need to go to church, it's what I should do. Is it something like that, or is it something that should be a priority on our calendar, a priority in our heart, something that at all costs we're part of, and we're for, and we give ourselves to and for. So look at this one, Acts 20, verse 28. This is a little bit about God's creation of the church. We're going to jump around a little bit, but the first one, uh, this just shows the importance of it. We shared the Lord's Supper just now. Look at this in Acts 20 if you have your Bibles. If not, share with someone next to you or listen up to this. But Acts 20, verse 28. This is an amazing passage of Scripture, and it's sort of one of the last things Paul really shares before he is locked up uh, on his way to Jerusalem and, and, and then soon after that he gives his life. So he's talking to the leaders of the church in Ephesus and I just want to key up this part in verse 28. Look what it says. He's talking to them as overseers first. So he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. So automatically what he's sharing is, we can just gloss over that, but he's saying this thing this collection is God's. What we're about is God's business. And so just based on that, this is absolutely vital. Because anything God's about, we should take very, very seriously. And then he gets a little bit deeper, which we just done communion, which is so powerful. He says, which he obtained with his own blood. We share it often, but Jesus died for the church. The body of believers, what we're doing now collectively across the globe, pay for it so we could be this community of believers with His blood. We could have a relationship with Him and relationship with others. So automatically, if that doesn't make you believe 
that the church is absolutely vital and is something worth giving your lives for. Here's another one. Matthew 16. Jump back a few. If you're there, Matthew 16, verse 18. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Otherwise, I will read it out for you. So first we looked at God being the author, the church of God, that He obtained it by His blood. And look what it says in Matthew 16, verse 18, where Peter confesses who Jesus is by God helping him. And Jesus says something about what Peter would do. And it's an amazingly encouraging thing from this uh, sharp shooting, partly arrogant or partly not thinking very much disciple Peter, who was always game to go for things or say things without necessarily acting on it. And uh, look at what Jesus says to him, verse 18, And I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. That's Jesus talking, saying, I will build my church. So Jesus founded the church, and he has ownership over the church. This is his. We're his. I will build my church. So what we're about is something that Jesus founded, but something that he leads. What a privilege. What a privilege to be a part of that. And so uh, that's a little bit about the importance of what we're about when we talk about the church. And then look at this. Jesus calls us to follow his example. So Jesus was on a mission. He was a sent one. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and son. So he was the first missionary, but he was the first one who showed the mission of his church. Because if he founded it, if he created it, if he has oversight over it, then we follow his example. We follow what he cared about. And look what he says in John 17, verse 18, to back this up. In case you thought we have a different mission to Jesus's. Look what he says, John 17, verse 18. As you sent me into the world, this is Jesus praying, he's talking to the Father. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Talking about us as Christ followers. So as he was sent into the world as the Son, so we are sent with the same responsibility of carrying on what he began. And then in John 20, verse 21, he says the same thing. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So we have the same mission as Christ. We're not on different playing fields. We don't have different agendas. The church of Jesus Christ, us, the collective body of believers, has the exact same call and mission as Jesus Christ. So what is it? What is the mission of the church? And actually, there's a few different elements to this. I'm going to cover three. Ian may cover more next week, but I think I'm going to hit some of the big ones, and then we're going to, we're going to get more down to it next week as well. So first one, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, to make disciples of all nations. A passage that many of you may know already, but let's look at that. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And what's significant about this, it's called the Great Commission, but it's significant for a number of reasons. Number one, it's significant because it was the final words that Jesus said before he left. That brings a level of significance. Secondly, it's significant because of the authority that he brings and what he says in terms of the authority, so that's significant. The other thing that's significant is the placement that it's in the Bible, the placement at a key point when he's leaving, the disciples are there, they're a little bit uncertain, and he's really laying out what they're going to live for. So verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, active, we go, therefore and make disciples 
of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus was very clear. He didn't mince his words. He said, what's, necess what's necessary, what's the most important thing is for you is to make disciples, not converts, not just share the gospel and off you go to make disciples, which means students, followers, to make disciples of me in all nations. It's not just about Zimbabwe, it's about all nations. And you're going to baptize people, you do this in the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to teach them, and you're going to help and instruct. So why don't I share a bit more on disciples, is to make disciples of all nations. Mission of the church, make disciples. Next one, to glorify Jesus. <coughs> so God's created us, ultimately he's created the world and everything for his glory and for his fame on the earth. And it just happens that as we make disciples, as we take him seriously, that brings glory to Jesus. It's one of the missions of the church, is to make Jesus look great. Ephesians 1 verse 12, it's talking about the Christ followers, and it's obviously talking about our responsibility in that process. I just want to read it because I love the passage. So I'll read a little bit before that, and it talks, it's talking to us as Christ followers. It says, verse 11, In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we, who were the first hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. It's the praise of His glory. So as Christ followers, as we live out what He's called us to, as we um, are changed by Him from the inside out, we're there to give Him honor and glory. And when the church operates as it should, when we live out the mission that He's called us to, one of the things that happens is that God gets given the glory. That's one of the goals of the church, is to give God glory. So to make disciples of all nations, to glorify Jesus. And in this one, it's just as important that we've been sharing on it. John 13, verse 35. And there's many passages. I just chose this one because I love it. And it's a little bit about what we're talking about in terms of community. And this is to encourage the body. One of the missions of the church is to encourage each other in the process of doing what God's called us to. John 13, verse 35, very simply says this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So it's joined together. People see that we're followers of Jesus. People see that we're discipling the nations as they experience the love that we have for one another. One of the reasons the missions of the church is for us to build up and encourage each other. The church isn't just about meeting, hearing the ministry of the word. It's actually about encouraging, supporting, strengthening, and helping us to live out the making disciples of all nations. And so those three things, is others to it, but to make disciples of all nations, to glorify Jesus, which happens in the process, and at the same time, encourage the body of believers. Kevin DeYoung, uh, he's a pastor in uh, the States. He also writes for Desiring God and Gospel Coalition. He has a brilliant definition that combines those three and I'll read it for you here. He says, The mission of the church is to go into the world and make disciples by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit, gathering these disciples into churches 
that they may worship and obey Jesus now and into eternity to the glory of God the Father. I love it. Let me read it again. The mission of the church is to go into the world and make disciples by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit, gathering these disciples into churches that they may worship and obey Jesus now and into eternity to the glory of God the Father. I love it. Absolutely love it. So, question. What will make this mission God has called us to impossible? What makes it impossible is that it cannot be done without a relationship with Jesus Christ and a growing one of that. And this is the key reason for it because we, we, we can come to know Christ and we can be saved by Him. But if we don't continue on our journey, on our love relationship with Him, we don't understand His heart for the lost, we lose out on the joy of what we're doing. And then, to be honest, we just don't really care about making disciples. And if you're sitting here today and you're going, well, if I'm honest, deep down, I don't really care about preaching the gospel. And you can be honest, I've had moments like this as well. But if you're sitting there going, my work colleagues or people that I come into contact with or some of my family members, if I'm honest, I don't really care that they live for eternity without Jesus. And we need to come to this place. What you need to go back to is to go, how is my walk with Jesus? Because actually, as we spend time with Him, as we fall more in love with Him, as worship is the heartbeat of our lives, it's inevitable that we gain His heart. And His heart is to make disciples of all nations. And so if you're struggling, you're going, if I'm honest deep down, I just don't really care about the lost and broken in the world. Then what you need to do is go, okay, that shows me that there's actually a problem with my walk with Jesus. And as you start to spend time with Him, as you start to gain His heart and His love for the lost, you'll find that you automatically take that on as He changes you from the inside out. Because the reality is, is that we can't tell people about the one who we don't know. We can't. We can't share the love of God if we don't experience it ourselves. If you're not passionate about sharing Jesus with others, it's probably the case that you're not worshiping and enjoying Jesus Christ as you could. And he invites you today to just experience him a little bit more. He invites you today to pursue him a little bit more. And that's something that you'll never, ever regret. And as you do that, you'll start to want to invite other people into that experience. You'll start to want to share the joy that you have inside you with others. Be something that happens. So. What makes this mission impossible is if we don't pursue and enjoy a worshipful relationship with God. But what about social justice? Because it is big in Zimbabwe, but in a greater sense elsewhere, there's a huge push for social justice. When I talk about that, that's seeing the society in which we're at redeemed, seeing it changed, seeing the, the people struggling and broken restored, seeing those in poverty brought back from that seeing those uh, in, in slavery restored. So that, that hugely important things. Social justice. What about that? What is the church's role in that? You know that Michael Jackson song, you might not know it, but it, isn't that one that goes, we are the world, we are the children, we are the ones who make a better place. Da, 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 da. There are people there. You know, then he, he really breaks into it. And I could sing like Michael Jackson, but I'll leave that to Rich or others. Um, and 
you're not going to be good at everything. So I put this really downplay my singing ability. <laughs> An amazing song. And I remember us as kids, like just getting stuck into it. And it was brilliant. And that's about social justice. That's what Michael Jackson was singing about. He was singing, we're the ones, collectively, we should be making this a better place. There's a huge branch at the moment about social entrepreneurship uh, in the Western world that's coming in here of saying, actually, is there not a way to create profit, to do business in a way that benefits people, in a way that cares for society? And these are great things. What is the church's role in that? Acts 6 gives us one of the best examples of the church's role as primary and what is secondary. And this is what happens. So in Acts, the Holy Spirit's come, He's giving people a boldness, and the church is starting to grow. So they're meeting in homes, and as they, they sort of start to bustle out of homes, then they have to meet in greater areas like this, and they're getting together, and the church is growing, and now something starts to happen. The widows start getting left out of the equation. The church is growing, and they're just not getting cared for as they should. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose, the, um, the Greek people in the area, against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And so the 12 disciples at the time, they get people together and uh, they summon the full number of disciples. So they're leading it, they, 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 they get them all together in one place and they say, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Sounds a bit arrogant. Therefore, We'll get to it in a bit. Brothers, pick up from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And this pleased people, and they started caring as they should. They started doing social justice as they should. And then it says, And the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests also became obedient to the faith. So, where does social justice fit in the church? It's very important. But it's not as important as a ministry of the word. So as a church, we just need to make sure that our primary call and our primary care is about people's spiritual well-being, where they are spiritually, hugely, and social justice happens at the same time. Because yes, there's a lot of talk in James and things of saying, yeah, but you know, you can't just say to someone, hey, you know, go well with you, pray for you, but you know, leave them with nothing. So there's a lot of talk about that. But primarily, church's responsibility, and they show it here, in terms of church and collective, is ministry of the word, growing in faith, developing that, us developing spiritually, and then social justice inevitably flows out of that and is incredibly important. But just look at that in Acts as how they how they treated them. Why do I say that? Partly because in the big wedding that happened last week, I think, um, there was a, a man who did the main session or the main talk. And I must say, I got tired after like three minutes. I thought it was very good at the start. Um, and then maybe he was just taking the limelight a bit too much, but it did seem to go on in the wedding. It's like a full-blown preach. But I think what, a lot of what he said was good, but the main thrust of it, and I know this is part of his main thrust in terms of beliefs, is just, just you just got to love everybody. you just got to care for everybody. you just got to make sure everybody's happy. It is true that we should love and care for people. But Jesus still needs to remain primary. He has to remain central to what we're about. And the rest flows from that. Next question. What about individual church? What about doing church on my own? Because after all, me as Craig Roberts is part of the global church. And so why do I need to meet with you guys on a Sunday when I can do it myself? 
and that would be a lot easier, it would be a lot, lot less messy, probably for you guys rather than for me, having to deal with me, but it's just so much easier. We're talking about individual church, we spoke about it last week. It's just so much easier to just do it on your own because there's no other people involved to mess it up. And so I looked at Quest TV on the weekend, um, and uh, I don't have it myself, but family do, and I, you know, can't I just tune in? And now there's like seven channels on there that dropped it from, from DSTV. So good old Strive and Eco he was like, I'm going to take it. And uh, he, he got in there with like seven channels. He didn't mess around. And so you can watch Hillsong Channel. And on that, you can watch, uh, which I watched last time, you can watch Brian Houston's daughter's husband, who's a chef, cooking up a meal for you. It was a bit weird, um, but I think they're trying to fill up like the 24-hour channel. So, uh, you know, you can watch an awful lot of interesting things not necessarily biblically based on those channels. But, isn't it okay for me to just do that for my church? I mean, I could sit there on Sunday, there's some brilliant speakers, I could listen to them from all over the world, I could listen to two sermons, even three, way better than Craig's. Um, and as I said, I don't even have to talk to people, I don't have to go and have coffee, and it's just so easy. What about that? What about doing church on my own. That may be time with the Lord, but it's not church. Maybe time with the Lord. It's not a bad thing. But it must not be confused with church. Church is a collection of believers meeting together, and we see from that and from its institution at the beginning of time. It's about community. It's about doing life together. Because the Lord knows. And for the body to be made up, we need people who are different. We need to be ground against each other. We need to see our sin for what it is. We need to get annoyed. It needs to get messy because that's the way that we see that we need Christ. It's very easy to get arrogant and proud when we're on our own. Some gatherings in the Bible were small. They started home churches, some were large, like the church in Jerusalem. But it definitely involved others of the preaching of the word. I want to read a quote that was sent to me from uh, Brian Johnson, a brilliant quote. Thank you, Joe, for sending that. Um, as we went through our series, look at what he says, and I love this about the church, and it sort of goes in contrast to, and this is what it says, the church was God's idea. Things, this is what he says, things get messy at times and you need to become a professional at forgiveness, but staying faithful to his idea of the church will attract favor and grace on your life. Point yourself towards God and committing to a local church, it's a step in the right direction. There's a big part of our growth that can only come when other imperfect people are in the mix. Isn't that brilliant? What an amazing passage on church. So as I close, last two minutes, how do we start? How do you and I start this process? Because individually, we join together and we collectively have church. So how do we start this process of making disciples of all nations? Glorifying God and encouraging each other. First one, worship the Lord, enjoy Him, and make Him your number one priority. That's the first step. Enjoy Him every day, connect with Him every day, and make Him your number one priority. Be discipled by Him before you disciple anyone else. Then you'll be the fragrance of Christ to a broken world. Next one, ask God to show you people to build friendships with who don't know Christ. Do this one-on-one. It might be David, who I've become friends with, who fills up the gas at the Zuba garage. Maybe Peter, who sells newspapers on the end of College Road, who now I know his family, and we, we pray together in between the traffic lights. 
Maybe it's people that you go and play rugby with and are building a relationship with guys who uh, don't know the Lord and I, I want to see them come to faith. But it starts with relationship. It doesn't start with, oh, hey, uh, my name's David. Uh, my name's Craig. Oh, your name's David. You do Zuba gas. Great. Well, can I tell you about Jesus? We need to earn the right to speak into people's lives. And that happens with friendship. It happens with community. It happens with inviting people into our homes. It happens over time. But ask God. He'll show you. He'll point out those people to you. And this is going to take a lifestyle adjustment, but it should be a regular part of our lives. It will take lifestyle adjustment. It's not going to happen without that. It's going to take you going, being making disciples of all nations is a priority to me because it's a priority to Jesus. And so I'm going to adjust my life. I'm going to adjust who I spend time with. It might be that you adjust your shopping route because you built a friendship with someone on the right side of the road. Or it might be a teller at Pick and Pay that you now know their name and you go to that till every single time you go to Pick and Pay because you just want to build a closer friendship with them. But it takes adjustment to your life. Friendship's not built overnight. It's not glamorous. It takes time. It takes resources. And it takes emotional effort. And that's why it's often the last thing that we want to do. But it's what Jesus did as priority. Because it's about the lost being saved. Discipleship's not about inviting someone for a meal you hardly know and then blasting them with the gospel. It's letting your life speak Christ. It's being a friend. It's asking God for opportunities to show His love, to serve that person. And over time, it's asking God for opportunities to share what He's done in your life. Enjoy walking the road to a relationship and a friendship with people in your lives. And then enjoy doing that again and again and again until we see the nations discipled and we see the mission of the church fulfilled. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know that the task you've given us as the church is one that we cannot do in our own strength. And for that we say thank you. Because the best place to be is the place where we realize our need of you. And I ask for every single person in this room, those of you who don't know you yet, if you're here and you're still exploring the Christian faith, I want to say that you're so welcome. If you've been invited by a friend, I want to say you can turn to that friend and say, thanks for inviting me and sharing with me what Jesus has done in your life. But if you're exploring the Christian faith, I want to say Jesus is the best thing ever. He is the one true king. And he's the one who you desperately need. And I'd love to chat to you more about him afterwards. But if you know Jesus here today, he's called us to something and he's called us to something great. And most of the time, it's not glamorous. Most of the time, it is time consuming. It uses resources. It gets messy. But it's real and it's about a broken world seeing the life and joy of Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, I ask that as we dive further into what the mission of the church is and what you've called us to. Lord, I ask that we would be your fragrance with every person we come into contact with, that we would see this church grow and the churches in Zimbabwe would grow as a result of us taking seriously your call to make disciples of all nations. I ask that you would touch us now and you would drop in our heart and in our mind as we go from here, people to befriend, people to start a relationship with, people to share what you've done in our lives with. And I'll ask as a result, we'll hear testimony after testimony after testimony in the days and weeks and months ahead of people coming to Christ as we walk that journey with them. I'll ask that as we go out today, you speak to us 
You would touch us in a special and fresh way. And we would be your fragrance. Your name we pray. Amen.